RAC's post-op podcast is brought to you with the compliments of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons and leading financial services organisation, the Bongiorno National Network, the preferred choice for medical professionals across Australia. It can be both exciting and daunting to head into private practice for the first time. Daunting, at least, because of the financial considerations involved. To help fellows make the right decisions at this new stage of their careers, the Bongiorno National Network is running a series of workshops around Australia, including the upcoming Preparation for Private Practice in Brisbane on the 9th and 10th of November. Presenting at the event is Simon Farmer, Managing Director of Walsh's. He tells Heather Dawson about the main topics to be covered at the event. There'll be a number of topics covered here. The, the financial topics that we'll be covering, though, will be uh, business structures for private practice, debt management and private practice, and wealth creation and personal insurance. So we're going to cover off those uh, three main topics over three different talks over two days on the weekend. And they're all important for um, people starting out in private practice. But let's start with business structures then. So what are the main choices and what should be the main considerations for surgeons, you know, at this stage of their career as they embark on private practice? Well, early in private practice, we don't need to be overly complicated. So your three options are going to be trading via a uh, sole trader, uh, simply being a sole trader, that is, uh, trading via a company or trading via a trust. I mean, you could consider a fourth one, which is trading via a company and having that company owned by a trust. But I sort of come back to where the surgeon is in their career. So this is just early on embarking into private practice. That being the case, it's unlikely that the level of income and expense incurred is going to be very significant. Now, we need to be mindful of the personal services income tax rules, which is a big part of the Tax Act that does govern private practice income. And then if we're looking at structures that are unwieldy and expensive, yet the income and the expenses aren't there at the early stages, you would question the value of that. So, as you say, don't try to be overly complicated at the start. Yeah, that probably sums it up, Heather. Um, At the beginning, before it becomes what I'd call a fully-fledged private practice with a hard site, staff, very significant levels of income and expense, we would choose quite a simplistic structure to begin with at the beginning. Okay, but it can make a big difference financially if you choose the wrong rather than the right structure. Yeah, as I alluded to in the beginning, there's the personal services income tax rules. And essentially, that means that uh, the income that is earned by the surgeon as a private practice surgeon must be taxed in their hands. So that being the case, that does restrict your options down. You can still trade via a company if you so choose or a trust, but you're not going to get the key benefits of a company being the company tax rate or the ability to split income via a trust. That's specifically not allowed and would contradict the personal services income tax rules. So choosing the wrong structure and then applying the wrong tax principles to that could arise in penalties. But in most often cases, most accountants should now be aware of the implications of the personal services rules. So often what we might see is a structure that is a bit more complicated, but somewhat pointless. There's no tax benefit being derived, yet there's significant fees being incurred. So that's where the big differences come. One, the structure is used incorrectly in contradiction to tax laws, or it's just excessively expensive and, and needlessly so. Okay. Now, from business structures to funding a practice, and, and Simon, I assume costs can add up quite significantly. So what tend to be the biggest costs? 
Well, when you're starting out in private practice, actually the costs aren't that huge. So it might be a bit of funding on working capital and so on, uh, but funding it initially isn't overly expensive. It's when you start to build out your private practice uh, that things change significantly. The structure then changes. You're justifying a more complicated structure then. But now we're starting to look at things such as fit out, the purchase of rooms, how might that be funded? It might be uh, expensive equipment as well. So typically you're going to find with fit out and equipment, your options are going to be either pay via cash if you've accumulated that level of cash, or it might be via a... uh, a chattel mortgage is a common thing. So that would be two common funding issues that we would find when we're establishing a bigger private practice. And now, Simon, interest rates, we all know they've almost reached rock bottom now. So how much is this altering the advice that you give and uh, what's been the impact on the home loan market? Yeah, well, there's a few elements to this. So on non-deductible primary home debt, I don't think things have changed a massive amount. Uh, Your loan structure would typically be a combination of fixed and variable and uh, a principal interest repayment structure. I think what I've noticed in the last 18 months is a dramatic reduction in interest-only investment property loan rates. And that's probably where we've seen a change of advice. So uh, we were seeing as much as a 1.5% differential between the principal and interest home loan rates versus the interest-only rates. Now we've seen that gap narrow dramatically and probably halve. So therefore, you might consider continuing to be a principal and interest rapid pay down on the uh, primary home loan, which is non-deductible. With investment property now, though, you can start to make the case once again that that type of loan might be an interest-only loan. So that's certainly something that we've seen probably in the last 12 to 18 months. Another thing to consider is often we find uh, our surgeons will have significant levels of cash and surplus income that will often accumulate in the offset account against the non-deductible home loan. As rates go down, we're not getting as much of a a compensation, if you like, uh, by offsetting that non-deductible debt simply because the rate is so low. If you're offsetting a home loan at 3.2%, for example, or or 3.3% versus, say, a year ago where that might have been, you know, 4.3%, you're not getting as much of a benefit. So not having as much cash in the offset account is probably an implication of uh, having these uh, rates come down to these incredibly low levels. And do you talk about all this during the workshop? Yeah, we're going to cover off um, on the debt piece around the uh, deductibility piece on business expenses, uh, structuring home loan debt from fixed to variable to interest only to principal and interest. We're going to look at some of the trends that we're seeing in interest rates and where the sharpest rates are. Uh, We're going to look at loan to value ratios and what impact that makes on interest rates as well. All of that will be covered. Great. Well, the third big issue related, of course, uh, and to be covered at the Preparation for Practice Workshop is wealth creation and personal insurance. So let's start with wealth creation, Simon. Is this all to do with investing? Yeah, correct, Heather. So we're really going to look at where the money goes. So uh, if we've got capital to deploy, we're going to consider uh, investments within superannuation. We're going to look at our contribution rules. Uh, We're also going to look at strategies to capture a monthly surplus income. We often find surgeons that don't have a clear investment strategy will simply accumulate large sums of cash 
uh, with no strategy as to what to do with that. So we're going to look at uh, investing that on a more periodic basis. We're also going to look at the property market as well and what changes we've seen to the property market in recent times and what we can expect. Uh, We're going to discuss affordability levels uh, in Brisbane, where that sits on a national scale. We're going to look at yields uh, on properties as well. We'll give some consideration to that. Uh, But we're also going to look at broadly uh, what's happening with markets right now. We've got some very, very unique situations happening globally, macroeconomically, and and that includes an enormous amount. I think it's about $16 in negatively yielding government bonds. We're seeing some bizarre scenarios where big countries such as Germany are on the brink of recession, yet you've got fuller employment. What does all this mean for the world? So what sort of expectations might we have around global interest markets? What does that mean for stock markets, which are trading at very high levels? We've got the US market trading at 18 times PEs. We've got the Australian market around about 16 times PEs, but we've got no forecast earnings growth. So there is that concern there about how fully valued the stock market is and where people would put their money. Yes, it'll be interesting to hear what your thoughts are there, Simon. Is diversification a key? I think that's the clear message that we're seeing right now. I I think that if we look uh, around the world at the elevated levels that certain markets have come to, clearly you should be diversified. That includes uh, not just across Australian shares, international shares and bonds, but within Australian shares, how would you diversify within international shares, but also having direct real property as well. So I think there's an incredibly strong case to make to not have all your eggs in one basket right now. Right. Okay. So you mentioned very briefly superannuation. What are your key words of advice on super? Well, certainly be aware of the contribution rules. With the government being retained in power, there's certain um, rules around the flexibility of getting money into superannuation, which I think are relevant as well. We've got the concessional contribution catch-up rules now, which have been in place, which means if you didn't make full concessional contributions last year, you can start to catch that up. Uh, So we're going to talk about uh, the rules surrounding superannuation. We might uh, also introduce the topic of owning your own rooms within superannuation, which is a a pretty common strategy for established surgeons as well. So we're going to cover everything on super too. And I understand, uh, Simon, that there are new entrants into the insurance market. Yeah, there are. So what are they offering? Well, there's probably two parts to this. Um, I think in years gone by, we found underwriting Uh, has been somewhat black and white, Uh, whereas some of the new entrants now, uh, we can communicate a bit more around um, uh, health issues that our surgeons might present with in order to get the best insurance outcomes. So I think that's something uh, that we're seeing as well. But uh, one new entry is also offering a profit share within uh, their insurance policies as well. So that's something that's quite unique. And uh, so we're going to look at uh, what the different insurers offer and also how to structure a fully comprehensive insurance policy. Okay. Well, any final words about the upcoming preparation for private practice workshops, Simon? Because I believe they're they're pretty good fun as well as uh, obviously highly informative. Look, we do a lot of talks and I really enjoy this one. I really like the fact of um, that it's so interactive. We often have a lot of feedback from the audience. Uh, there's no dumb questions. We cover everything and it's really enjoyable. And I think that the attendees uh, in every session always get a lot out of it. So I'd strongly recommend anybody that is looking to enter private practice in the near future that this is definitely something that they should attend. Simon Farmer. 
Walsh's. For details and to register for the Preparation for Practice workshop in Brisbane on November 9th and 10th, please refer to this episode's show notes or contact Courtney Roan from the College's Queensland office on 0402 736 732. As this general advice has been prepared without taking account of your objectives, financial situation or needs, you should consider the appropriateness of this advice before acting on it. If this general advice relates to acquiring a financial product, you should obtain a product disclosure statement before deciding to acquire the product. RAC's post-op podcast is brought to you with the compliments of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons and leading financial services organisation, the Bongiorno National Network, the preferred choice for medical professionals across Australia. You can reach the Bongiorno National Network on plus 613 9863 3111.